Good evening, patriots. You are tuned into Living with Liberty, your source for common sense and truth. I am your host, Ryan. Today we'll cover Biden threatening Americans with nukes, the Delta variant hoax, and Kamala's going to the border. All next on Living with Liberty. Joe Biden has gone into full elementary school playground taunt mode with his latest rambling press conference introducing his radical gun control agenda. Check that, his attempt at dismantling Second Amendment rights. We have nukes and you don't, he said before rambling on incoherently about deer in Kevlar vests and lying about how our crime-ridden cesspools of Chicago, New York, and Baltimore don't have strict gun control rules. For any liberals listening, yes, they do. President Joe Obama said if you are going to take on the government, you need F-15s and nuclear weapons, and we have those in the U.S. government. This doddering old fool would rather continue to threaten and throw out insults at the American people than do his actual job. Putin handed him his ass last week, and now he's taking it out on the American people this week. Classic cakes of someone made him mad, so he's now going to kick the dog. Let's unpack a couple of things for our resident-in-chief here. One. This country was freed from the grip of tyrannical imperialism by what started out as a group of ragtag patriots. That group of patriots took on the world's best-trained, best-financed military power of the day. That group of patriots won. They didn't have a naval armada, nor did they have the best training, the best uniforms, or the best gear in the world. A good portion of that group of patriots were militiamen from each of the states who only trained a few times a year. Yes, eventually those founding Americans did form a formal army and started training that army more rigorously, but it still didn't match the training of the British. That group of patriots had to buy their own uniforms, buy their own gear, and buy their own weapons. There's a lot to be said for the fighting spirit of the American people, though, and how they should never be underestimated. Whether they have F-15s or not, don't underestimate the American people. Now, secondly, there are numerous other examples in history of underdogs who were severely outgunned that held their own and won against bigger, more powerful uh, armies. Now think about Vietnam for a minute and the quagmire that was a 10-year engagement for the United States. The Soviet Union spent 10 years in Afghanistan and in doing so, started the collapse of the Soviet Union. Now, to be fair, there were other countries helping in Viet, helping the Viet Cong and the Afghani resistance. 
there was financing and weapons that were given to those resistance fighters, those fighting the uh, United States and uh, and uh, the Soviet Union. And even during the American Revolution, the patriots fighting for our freedom were assisted by France and Spain. But those resistance fighters did not have access to the latest and greatest in technology. What they did have is a little bit of help from, call it secret allies that weren't necessarily involved, but slid some weapons and money their way. And they had a whole lot of will to succeed. So no, Joe, having F-15s and nukes isn't a prerequisite for taking on a government and winning. It's sometimes just boils down to good old-fashioned spirit and the will to succeed. Now, the other thing here that Biden insinuated in his comments is he would use nukes against his own countrymen. Now, why make the threat if the thought hadn't crossed his mind? Why even bring it up if, if that thought wasn't even in his head already? Why even bring up the fact that the U.S. government has nuclear weapons if the thought wasn't there to use them? You bring it up because you had that glimmer of a thought that you might use them. Am I being extreme here? Possibly. But as I look at it and as I've read uh, stories and articles and other social media posts, that's how I interpret his statements, and that's how many others have interpreted his statements. Now, think of it this way. How many times have you ever made a threat where the thought of carrying, out, uh, carrying it out didn't even cross your mind? You just made a, a, an empty-minded threat. Maybe you are at a bar and get into a verbal altercation with somebody, and you make the threat and say, let's take it outside. For all the parents out there, how many times have you threatened a, a consequence to your kids when they were misbehaving? And how many times did you carry out those threats just to show your kids you weren't joking when you made the threat? If the thought didn't cross your mind that you were going to at some point carry out that threat, whether it be someone at the bar that you are in a little bit of an altercation with or your kids when they're misbehaving, why would you even verbalize it then? You don't make a threat unless there is some thought there of actually carrying it out. Given the level of psychosis gripping our governmental officials right now, I think there's only one way to read into the we have nukes statement or you need nukes statement. The way these elected officials on the left have been acting, I don't think for one second they wouldn't hesitate to make an example out of the people in this country, particularly the conservatives who, for whatever reason, are their enemies. Hell, they're still trying to do it with the tourists they arrested in the Capitol that they're still not giving due process to. Biden's statement, whether an actual threat or not, is a major tool bag move by a major tool bag of a human being. On to the next uh, segment I have here. Beware of the big bad Delta variant. 
the panic peddlers are still at it when it comes to COVID-19. Everything is opening up, and these control freaks in the media and the government cannot stand it. They are attempting to inject new life into their dying COVID scam. Take a listen to this clip from the good people at Grabian. It's about a minute and a half of an interview on CCPNN between anchor Rosemary Church and a supposed epidemiologist expert, Anne Ramoyne. Nice to be here. So all eyes are on this Delta variant that originated in India. It now makes up about 96% of all new COVID cases across the UK, about 10% of all new cases here in the United States. How concerned are you that uh, this Delta variant will very soon dominate all US infections? And how big a threat could that prove to be to those not yet vaccinated? Well, it's very important to note that this Delta variant is much more contagious than the original variant, the original strain, and the B117, the UK or the UK or Alpha variant. In fact, it could be up to 60% more contagious, meaning that if you have the same uh, interaction with somebody who has COVID-19, uh, you are that much more likely to get it than uh, than previous variants. So it's really important that everybody who is unvaccinated really do uh, double down on their efforts to make sure that they are protected, they're wearing a mask, they're social distancing, and uh, avoiding exposures where they can. If you are vaccinated, you are much less likely to get this uh, to get this variant, but it is not a zero-risk scenario. You can still become infected. It's just much less likely that you'll end up hospitalized or dying. So we all should be very concerned. It's a threat. It is definitely important for people who are unvaccinated to take uh, a great caution, uh, take great precautions to avoid getting it, because it's also possible that this particular variant uh, could lead to more severe symptoms, um, hospitalization and death. The Delta variant is much more contagious, Ramoin says. That means if you have the same interaction with someone who is infected, you are much more likely to get it than previous versions, Ramoin points out. What is it with these people? Uh, this shows, this is a statement here that shows what these people think of us, what these so-called experts and the elites of society, they think we need to be parented by them because they are so much more enlightened than us. Yeah, they're in. It works the same way with any viral infection, any virus. Interact with people during a bad flu season in the same manner you might have in the past. In, in a year when that variant going or, that's going around is higher on the contagiousness scale, you are going to be more likely to get the flu. It's a virus. That's how they roll. There are years when things like the flu and common cold are more contagious than in years past, or even in the future, it, it, just how it is. Sometimes you get a more contagious uh, variant. So how does Ramoyne propose that we battle this deadly new Delta variant? By doing the same things that didn't prevent infection on any of the other variants. Social distance. That didn't prevent infections. Masks. Well, we know those didn't work either. But she says double down on those things that have already been exposed as 
being proven to not have had any impact on preventing people from getting sick and preventing the seasonal swings that we saw with the COVID virus. And honestly, the seasonal swings that we'll see with the flu. None of that stuff did anything to prevent anybody from getting sick. Now, of course, no CNN segment would be complete without them completing their obligatory marketing plug for the COVID vaccine. So Anne Ramoyne had this to say about it. If you are vaccinated, she said, you are much less likely to get this variant. Well, how does she know that for certain? She just got done telling us that this variant is more contagious, that it is a mutation, that it is something new. How would a vaccine that was developed to combat, call it uh, COVID classical edition, how would a vaccine developed to prevent the first go-round of a virus that mutates prevent infection of this new strain? Flu vaccines are not effective against the new strain that comes about in any given year. So how can the COVID vaccine, which by the way, as time continues to go on, proves itself to not be the golden parachute it was touted to be with all the issues that people are having with it, like still getting sick, getting te- or testing positive for COVID. We've got kids getting heart inflammation from this thing. And even worse, people are dying from it. And nobody wants to explain why that's happening. They just dodge the question. When you go look at the vaccine uh, database that's tracking all of this and you ask questions about it, nobody has an answer for it. Nobody can answer why deaths are up 10 or 15 uh, fold over any given year prior to this one. Something doesn't add up here. Ramoyne also said this uh, as part of uh, her vaccine marketing spot here, uh, which I will also have a Blaze article uh, that I'll cover in a minute and link that will totally debunk this statement and everything else about this pathetic interview. She said this, you can still become infected. It's just much less likely that you will end up hospitalized or dying. (laughs) This is classic fear peddling. And our pathetic attempts by the media, their elitist backers, these so-called hack uh, experts at maintaining control because the dirty, smelly Walmart shoppers are returning to their normally scheduled lives. It's much less likely that you will end up hospitalized or dying. Those things weren't uh, major uh, statistical changes. things that were going to happen to you to begin with. What hasn't sunk in yet with these people uh, and uh, the people, uh, you know, at large here in our country, and of course never gets mentioned on any of these interviews or any virus coverage, is that viruses need their hosts to survive in order for their own survival. If a virus continues to mutate into a more deadly, more contagious pathogen, it itself will eventually die because all of its prospective hosts would be dead. Viruses, though not living entities, want to survive as well. It's why they mutate. Immune systems build resistance to them. And those viruses figure out how to get in the back door 
and infect so they can survive. As I mentioned before, I have a Blaze article here that lays to waste everything peddled in this CNN interview clip. The article is titled, The Delta Deception, The New Variant Might Be Less Deadly by Daniel Horowitz. And he's being really nice with that title. Dig into the data. He could have just put the new variant is less deadly. An interesting point Horowitz makes in his article is why we suddenly uh, have gone from variants identified by country of origin to identifying them by assigning them a Greek letter. From Horowitz's piece, he says, After each city and country began getting ascribed its own variant, I think the panic merchants realized that the masses would catch on to the variant scam. So they decided to rename them Alpha, which is the British variant, Beta, which is the South African variant, Gamma, which is the Brazilian variant, and our friend here, Delta, which is the Indian variant. Which sounds more like a hierarchy of progression and severity rather than each region simply getting hit when it's in season until the area reaches herd immunity. So what we have here is manipulation of terminology, which, as we all know, is a favorite tactic among the left. We manipulate the language. We make this thing seem like it's um, increasing in its uh, destructive capabilities among the human race. We can peddle more fear. We can keep people afraid. We can keep the pressure on them. Having the variants identified by country of origin makes it much harder to stoke fear among people who are not in that country of origin. Because having the name as the country of origin would imply then that the virus is contained to that country. So nobody else has anything to worry about. Oh, that's just the Indian variant. It's only happening in India. I don't have to worry about it here in the United States or Canada or wherever. I'm not in India, so the Indian variant doesn't affect me. So in order to continue the COVID scam and to try and spur the vaccine holdouts to action, the name was changed. And it was done in such a way to make it sound like each new variant was getting progressively worse than the last. We're going up in the Greek alphabet. We're starting at alpha and working our way to the end. It's, it'd be like going from one to a hundred. Manipulate the language, you manipulate the people. The trouble is here for the people doing this. As, and as I mentioned before, viruses want to survive. So they are not, generally speaking, I'm not saying this never happens, but they're not, it's in the virus's best interest to not mutate into something more deadly. They will mutate into something that will allow them to get in the back door of people's immune systems, infect, and survive, and maybe mutate from there. Viruses may mutate into something more contagious. I think we see it year to year with the flu. Some years are bad, some aren't. And I feel like that's got a whole lot to do with just the level of contagiousness of whatever variant happens to be going around. But to mutate into something more deadly, 
is a highly unlikely occurrence for a virus. Now, let's look at this uh, pesky statement of it's more contagious and will infect more people more easily idea. Well, Dr. Scott Gottlieb, former head of the FDA, had this to say on the on uh, Face the Nation this past week about the Delta variant. Let's call it the Indian variant. He said this, it doesn't mean that we're not, uh, it, this doesn't mean we're going to see a sharp uptick in infections, but it does mean that this is going to take over. And I think the risk is really uh, going to be in the fall that we could see a spike and a new epidemic heading into the fall. So we have the FDA, a former head of the FDA here, saying that it doesn't mean we're going to see a massive uptick in infections, even though we're being told this is more contagious. I say, you know, hold on a second here. We just had a CNN interview with a so-called expert say that these, this Delta variant is more contagious, that more people are, uh, because of that, more people are going to get sick from it if they don't get vaccinated or double down on the things that didn't prevent uh, the infection of COVID classic edition. But we have a former head of, the go of a government agency, the FDA here, say that the new variant will not necessarily mean an uptick in infections. It, he's just saying that we see this Delta variant, it means it's going to be the new variant that takes over as the dominant one because it's mutated and people don't have uh, don't have immunity to, to it yet. They might have immunity to everything leading up to that one. That's what he's saying here. It doesn't mean that people are going to get more people are going to get sick. It just means this is going to be the most prevalent uh, virus in uh, as far as COVID goes within the population. You know what this sounds like? Sounds an awful lot like the flu to me. It seems like what we have here with the Indian variant of, of COVID is that we have a strain of the flu that will continue to do virusy things. It's going to mutate year to year to stay alive. It's going to mutate year to year uh, so it can keep on going as a virus. And then let's look at the dire headlines and insinuations that the Indian variant is more deadly in addition to being more infectious. Horowitz debunks this too. Here's what he writes. However, if people would actually look at the data, they'd realize that the Delta variant is actually less deadly. These headlines are able to gain momentum only because of the absurd public perception that somehow India got hit worse than the rest of the world. In reality, India has one-seventh the death rate per capita of the U.S. Thanks, Cuomo. It's just that India got the major winter wave later, when the Western countries were largely done with it, thereby giving the illusion that India somehow suffered worse. Now, the public health Nazis are transferring their first big lie about what happened in India back to the Western world. Let's think about the timing of these things for a second. While the West was seeing the spikes in cases, 
did we hear much of anything about India? I don't remember anything specifically saying India is getting hit really hard. The run-up in the first wave of cases was later in India. It started in June of 2020, and it peaked in that September. Whereas if uh, here in the United States, we saw the run-up of cases starting in April, late March, early April of 2020, and had peaked by July. Then the second wave hits India this April well after it had subsided in the western uh, in the western world particularly the united states and like in the west the second run of infections the second wave of infections saw bigger numbers of infections than the first wave so in the grand scheme of things india's pattern of infection has actually uh, started and ended later than in Western countries on all accounts and has followed the same type of pattern. Uh, a smaller first wave, let's call it, and then there's a second wave that hit that had much more, uh, many more infections. But because people will just tune into their propaganda outlet of choice and see the stories of India and let fear grip them about this new variant, they won't go and actually do any research and check into the truth of the matter. The truth here is, if you compare the India graph of infections to the U.S. graph, they are virtually identical in their patterns. The timing is just shifted. It hit the U.S. first, and then it hit India. Second wave hit the U.S. first, and then it hit India. There is no new deadly variant. There isn't anything causing India to get the virus worse than we did. What anyone willing to do a little research of their own will find is there is a distinct pattern to the virus outbreaks. The first outbreak is smaller. The second outbreak is larger. India just happened to get their second outbreak later than the West, just like they got their first outbreak later than the West. There is not a new, deadly, more contagious variant, as the fear peddlers want you to believe. It is the COVID uh, coronavirus following what is an established pattern, what is an observable pattern in terms of how and when it infects people. These health, health officials who have been toiling away outside the limelight for decades don't want to give up their newfound notoriety. So they are going to use this India example as the pretense for trying to stay relevant and in front of the public and generating fear and telling people, go get the vaccine because it'll protect you against the Delta variant, excuse me, the Indian variant. They are going to try and use it to stoke more fear and to try and reinstitute the power they had when COVID was the fresh-faced fresh virus on the block. Don't buy into it, and don't let your friends buy into it either. I say this, check out the graphs and the data for yourself. 
And as always, I will have the links to those in the description box. I would say, take those graphs, take the links, and save them as a favorite page, and you can have it right there to pull out whenever, whenever you get you know involved with somebody that's talking about the Indian variant being more deadly and more destructive. The patterns are the same. You will see when you look at these graphs. I highly encourage. Don't just take my word for it, because I've got a. I don't have a video show where I'm popping these things up. Go and check this stuff out for yourself you will see that the U.S. pattern and the India pattern are virtually identical. They are just shifted in terms of timing of infection. At this point, we are basically dealing with the flu. Now, the last thing for today, Kamala is going to the border. She has finally seen the light and wants to get a view for herself the damage this administration's crappy policies are inflicting on their fellow human beings. Yeah, that's not really why. She figured she better get there ahead of Trump. So the Wicked Witch of the West is heading to the border, and she's not even going to the, the worst part of it, where all of this, the, the, just, just these heartbreaking videos are being shot and taken, and we see... Uh, like Ted Cruz and Lauren Boebert going to. Kamala's not even going to these places. She's going to El Paso, Texas. She can't be bothered to go and see the areas where there, there's actual suffering going on, where people are actually suffering. She can't be bothered to go to a middle-of-nowhere border town to see what the conditions are. She's going to El Paso, far from the epicenter of the actual issue. So what will we see from her visit? My prediction is nothing new. It's going to be nothing more than a photo op. She'll probably do a press conference that she'll cackle her way through like she always does when she knows absolutely nothing and has no plan. There will be no introductions of any new plans or policies to get things under control at our border. She will have nothing new on how they are working with Mexico to curb the coyote problem. She'll offer nothing from her trip to Guatemala on how Guatemala will work with the U.S. to curb migration. There will be no leadership from her whatsoever, no ideas from her whatsoever, and certainly no plans on how to fix things. The Wicked Witch of the West is having a great time jetting all over the place at taxpayer expense, Holidays in Guatemala and Mexico. She doesn't have time to do any actual work. She doesn't have time to come up with policy ideas. She doesn't have time to help out her fellow human being. This border trip will be to take a few pictures, cackle at questions she doesn't know the answer to, maybe snap at a reporter or two who dare ask follow-up questions to her incomplete and non-answers, and then she'll hop back on the plane to Washington. Meanwhile, there will still be people wrapped up like Chipotle burritos, stuffed nuts to butts in the real detention facilities with no answers from our border czar on what will happen to them and how we're going to fix the situation for them. And instead of focusing on this real life and ongoing humanitarian crisis, 
it'll be back to trying to catch those pesky white supremacists that are making our country such a bad place to be and continued talk about how they can keep the January 6th tourists in prison longer without giving them their due process. But hey, Kamala can cross going to the border off her bucket list. Friends, that's my show for today. Thank you for listening. Please check out my website, livingwithlibertypodcast.com. There you'll find links to my past shows, my original articles, as well as other resources to help arm you with knowledge in fighting off the prevailing narratives of the day. While on my website, treat yourself to something new from my store, Living With Liberty Outfitters. Lastly, I'd be so grateful if you subscribed to the show and left a positive review should your listening platform allow. Subscribing helps us move up the charts and helps more people find the truth. I appreciate you spending part of your day with me. Please help us spread the truth by sharing my show and website with friends and family, as well as on your social media accounts. My website is livingwithlibertypodcast.com. Also, let's connect. Follow me on Parlor and Gab. My handle on both is at livingwithliberty. You can also go to the contact page of my website and email me or follow the links there to my social media pages. Liberty isn't a given. We must fight to protect it. Working together, we will do exactly that. Until next time.